I'm Charles. I'm Christine. And, and we, we eat stuff. Hi, boys and girls, and welcome to the podcast We Eat Stuff and Talk About Things. This is Christine Guthrie here from We Eat Stuff. Welcome. In this podcast, we are seeking out people in St. Louis related to food, cooking, drinking, and eating who we want to know more about. Today, we're welcoming John Perkins, owner of Juniper in the Central West End. So if you haven't heard from local media lately, Juniper recently relocated from their spot on Boyle to a new building on Laclede. John talks very candidly about what this means for the restaurant and how personal of a journey it's been for him. We discuss why he decided to put Little Bird on the back burner for a while and just focus on what he came to achieve with his original restaurant, Juniper. Thanks for listening, and please enjoy our conversation with John Perkins. Hello. Hi. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right. Good. All right. Uh, nice to see you. Nice to see you both. Thanks for uh, make, making the trip over. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. Um, what did you bring for us to sip on this afternoon? Uh, so, I was looking through stuff. I figured, I, you know, I generally, for the most part, I don't drink. I'm not a non-drinker. I just mm. don't. Um, so, I figured... If I was going to part- you know, participate, partake, I would just bring over some, some NA options. So we've got the Blenheim ginger ale, which is what we use in our Presbyterian cocktail. Mm. It's mm. very spicy. If you sniff it, you're going to want to sneeze. Yeah. Um, and then Boylan's root beer, which is just a, it's a really good root beer. So, nice. Um, I, I was a little reluctant to bring on that particular root beer, but my uh, manager, Dana, insisted, and he's not wrong. It's, yeah, it's, it's good. It's a good root beer. Yeah, it so. is. And I also brought just a regular Topo Chico. Which is a fine sparkling water, yeah. yeah. Indeed. So, it's kind of like the hot new thing in yeah, cocktails it's, it's, I've seen. It's it's a bit, you know, it's a bit trendy at the moment, but yeah. it's, it's a good product. So. Yeah. You want the sneezy one or the root beery one? Good question. <laughs> um, which one do you prefer, actually? Uh, I'll take some ginger ale. Okay. That's cool. We can switch off. Yeah. That's great. It does, it does have a kick. Yeah. I think I've had this one before. <clears throat> Maybe. Well, wait, is that they the, offer... Oh, they offer a less spicy version of it, but, uh, you know. Where's that one made? It's in South Carolina. And one is one we had at, so. yeah. We had one on the East Coast. Indeed was a trip. Yeah. Um, there are a couple other spicy ginger ales throughout the South. I think he likes yeah. my, my sweaty legs. Yeah, Waffles loves liquor guests. <laughs> yeah, just letting you know that. Um, but anyway, yeah. uh, cheers. Right. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Good to mm. see ya. You're killing me. Is that the one? Mm, it's pretty peppery. That's spicy up to the nines. Yeah. <laughs> it it uh yes. it adds a nice bite to that mm. to that cocktail for sure. I had no idea. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. So Chef Perkins, uh, tell everybody who are you? <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just a guy, right? Just some, uh, just, just some dude. Yeah, yeah, just a dude. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it's, uh, at this point, you know, I, I, I appreciate you calling me chef, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, I was talking with somebody earlier today. I, I have honestly, since forever, just had kind of a ambivalence about referring to myself that way. Mm. Um, in large part because I didn't, uh, I didn't come up in the industry the way a lot of other people have, um, and was supremely self-taught in the sense that like <clears throat> I didn't really study under another chef I didn't put in time at a restaurant I just started doing it mm-hmm. which is not advisable um, mm-hmm. on any level um, I certainly wouldn't uh, tell anybody to um, copy my career path um, I think I you know I understand food um, I enjoy being a part of the creative process when it comes to thinking about menu stuff, but I try to leave it to the professionals. At this mm. point, I just think of myself as an owner of a mm. of a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Um, 
And so tell everybody the owner of the the one soon to be two restaurants. Well, are. you know, it, it's honestly it's just going to be one. Is so it? yeah, okay. so Juniper okay. Restaurant. Yes. Um, in the West End. Mm-hmm. Um, up until this past Saturday at three sixty North Boyle, uh, which is this weird little outpost in the West End, and we are relocating to forty one hundred one Laclede, mm-hmm. and. Uh, knock on wood, September 4th will be open. Cool. Wow. Um, and I had been planning to open Little Bird, which was a breakfast concept in our current location, but thought better of it mm-hmm. <clears throat> for several reasons. Um, the first and probably most important one being that this transition in our new restaurant is going to require all my focus and uh it has to be successful Mm -hmm. um and so i can't distract myself with something else understandable um and we can always do it later Mm -hmm. um so that's the thought yeah Mm -hmm. and uh i I needed to make that commitment to myself to my employees to the people that are supporting this move um to my family to make sure that that Juniper 2.0 is the best that it can possibly be. Mm-hmm. And if I, th- you know, throw something else in there, it just can't be. Right. You know, I don't, I don't have that skill set as of yet to be able to run two restaurants at the same time. And uh, if I ever do get that skill set down the road, then we can do it then. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is, this is going to be my focus. Yeah. You know? Very cool. So did you ever think you would be a restaurant owner? No. No? No. Mm. Um, it's it's kind of funny. Like, I, I mean, I do mean, like, no, I never really did think that. But um, I remember even back in high school, like, I always had um, a bit of a desire to do something um, along that, along those lines. I just, like, weird reaction to, like, dogs licking me. Like, it, it makes me, I feel like I'm being tickled. But, like, it doesn't matter where, like, Mm -hmm. if it's on my hands or my arms, like, my feet feel like they're being tickled. I understand. Um, It's all right. No, it's, I mean, it's fine. You know, like, (laughs) my dog likes to lick me, too, but it's just, um, so I, I remember in high school, I had, like, I wanted to, I wanted to do this coffee shop kind of thing downtown, Mm -hmm. and... I had I had it all like mapped out in my head. It was you know there was gonna be a sandwich board on the sidewalk, and we were gonna have newspapers from all over the country that people could read and we'd sell sandwiches and coffee. Mm-hmm. And in college, after college, I remember th- wanting to do something along those lines, but it was always just sort of fantasy, you know. And then, um, really, the way that I ended up um, becoming a a restaurant owner and owning Juniper was almost backing into it, you know. Um, it's like I woke up after five years of doing undergrounds and catering stuff and here's the restaurant that I am. Now I'm five years into it, so mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. What did you want to be when you were a kid? Oh, man. Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, so my dad was an army chaplain and... And then after he retired from the army, we lived on a farm in southern Missouri, and he he was a pastor. He was like a country pastor. Mm. And I more or less thought that that's what I was supposed to do. Um, and But I had other interests. I mean, I, I wanted to be a writer, um, and still do when I grow up, I think. Um, <laughs> I don't really have time for that. Um, I certainly never thought of owning a restaurant or being a chef. Mm. Um, I think there was a time when I wanted to be a, a history professor, a Russian history professor. I could definitely see that. Really good. Well, I, you know, it was it was an interest. It's always been an interest um, from when I was a kid. I was a big history buff. Um, I never really wanted to be a politician, but I've always been fascinated by politics, um, just because I think it's the most like compelling real life drama that there is. You right. know, I mean. The present time notwithstanding, it's always been, you know, <laughs> oh, just yeah. crazy, but oh, yeah. now it's like off the charts, but uh, not to get political, but um, so I, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't know that I ever wanted to be a politician, but I was always really interested in it and like would have wanted to do, I don't know, something along those lines, but probably more in a, 
if I'd gone that route, be more like in diplomacy or something like that, sure. as opposed to being a, you know, a legislator, mm. that kind of thing. You definitely have a very scholarly look. Oh, I think that's just the beard, which well, the glasses you know, too, yes, right now, yeah. the, the the beard can uh, indicate a lot of things. I so I lived in Russia for a little bit, um, and I had a beard over there, and, mm. and had the glasses and the shaved head, and all my Russian students thought I looked like Lenin. Um, you know, which uh, was a compliment to them. Yeah, well, better so than Gorbachev. Yeah, he's not the most attractive fellow. But. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. The liver spots there. Yeah, I don't have one of those. I don't have one of those. Yeah. I, I wasn't just uh, angering the Gorbachev fans out there, but you know, I uh, <clears throat> who was it? Oh yeah, I took an Uber a couple days ago, and I don't know how the subject came up, but um, I saw him um, speak. Gorbachev. He came in 1994. Well, maybe it might have been earlier than that. It might have been 92. And he spoke out at Fulton College in Westminster. Mm. I'm sorry, Westminster College in Fulton. Um, And it was like the 50th anniversary of Winston Churchill's Iron Curtain speech. Oh, wow. That he gave in Fulton, Missouri, of all places. Mm. And um, I think I was like a sophomore in high school, maybe. Mm. Maybe a freshman. Mm-hmm. I thought you were saying you saw him in the Uber. Like next no, year no, no. Like I mean, where he's driving it. That would have been a heck of a ride. That would have been a heck of a ride. Gotcha. It wasn't quite like that. But, but yeah, it was just got, recounting that story. Gotcha, so. yeah. Interesting. But yeah, the first time we ever saw you, I think, was actually at one of your pop-up dinners at a farm. Oh, yeah. Christy and I were, were engaged to be married at the time. Oh, nice. Yes. Like just recently, too, I think. And I had a really bad case of shingles. <laughs> but I was still enjoying the whole meal. What, was it? Was it Q's farm? Was it up at the confluence? It was or? Up really, really north, like overlooking the river. Yeah, yeah. It's Q's farm up in Spanish Lake. Mongo storm that swept in. Oh yeah, yeah. So we did, um, we did two different undergrounds there, and both of them, we got crushed by storms. Really? Mm. And, and they were two, you know, two completely different summers. Mm. Um, it was crazy. So I don't when when would that have been oh nine maybe? Uh, that would have been that would have been two thousand eleven. Eleven. Okay, so that was the yeah that was the, yeah. Did it actually start raining or was it just like the wind was blowing and it was gonna happen and then it uh, happened? Oh no, it's raining. It, when it was when the meal was finished, I mean it it was it was blowing in during the meal and then pretty much when was it the Moroccan barbecue one? I don't, I don't think I so. I remember it being like a, uh, almost like a scotch egg dish or something. It's like a breaded egg I yolk. Oh, jeez. Okay, were, were you all sat on the porch of the house? Yes. Yes. Or out in the field? It was, in the, the it porch. was on the porch. Oh, okay. Okay, that was yeah. the first, was that the first one? Um, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. That's before we were taking was, pictures of food. Yeah, oh, so right we don't on. have the evidence. That's back when I was still putting pictures of, uh, putting uh, googly eyes on things and taking pictures. That was my site back then. Nice. So, nice. That's a little different kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, social media and the various outlets have changed so dramatically in the last, shoot, five years. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. And we were I just know. talking with uh, Corey Smale about the nature of food blogging in St. Louis and even just influencers, and it's just gotten so serious now. You know, like, the, the, the term food influencer, yeah. not just foodie or someone who eats too much. It's, you know, it's actually, you know, a food enthusiast, it's actually... Food influencer, like the actual occupation that right. you could have, and you know, file on your taxes and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I started the underground in '08. Um, the extent of food blogging, if you will, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't prevalent. Um, what there was was that there was a forum, there was an online forum, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you know if you guys know Bill Burge, but Who's Bill doing? Bill ran it and. He was by STL Bites on Twitter. Oh, okay. And um, Bill was a former cook and um, wasn't in the industry anymore, but understood it. And so I don't, you know, I, I can't recall if he had if he had posts on there or not. But there was a forum part of his website, which was just STL Bites, mm. um, which was always kind of funny for me, you know, being a being a reality bites kid, you know, from the mid nineties. <laughs> so it's like the and applying it in this way, there was the, you know, the double meaning, which was clever. But on the forum, there were all kinds of, like, people would post reviews and they would have comments. And it was really a harbinger for the kind of stuff that you see a lot more commonplace now. But there was a, there was a unique little community that formed around that online mm-hmm. forum. 
and then I don't know when he stopped doing it, but that pretty much disappeared, and and instead it kind of spread out a lot mm-hmm. more. So it's just you know Twitter, um, Instagram, and I guess to some extent people's blogs and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean just the transition. I mean that was ten years ago. Yeah. Um, but the transition and how it's kind of it's spread in a lot of ways. Like, um, it's a lot more mainstream I think than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, people's awareness of that stuff. Um, is a lot more prevalent. Um, I mean, would you guys consider yourself influencers, or do you aspire to be influencers? Well, we don't even say like the term food bloggers. Yeah, why? Because we don't really blog anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> we just do the social media and the podcasts and whatever weird little projects we're secretly working on. But it's not. Um, it's like we don't even. We, for one thing, we don't say anything negative about any places. We're not people who go around saying this is the best, this is the best, that's the worst. We that's what a lot of influencers do. I mean, what we really do is just we're more about just sharing experiences. Again, people share their experiences too. Right. And I'm really also about celebrating the industry. Yeah. You know, not honestly about it. It's it almost kind of more almost in a weird way. It's kind of like a industry facing, you know, enterprise mm-hmm. than consumers. So a lot different. You know, that's like the the bulk of our people that follow us, but. The industry definitely seems to really uh, dig what we do too. We dig what they do as well. So you're saying that most of the people that follow you look to you to find out about places. Are you saying most people in the industry, like more of your followers, are industry folk? I think it, we're getting a bigger share of industry folk, but it's, it's still definitely mostly people looking for places to eat. Yeah. So you know, I think um, I think there's a need for that kind of personalization of stuff and not necessarily I like this although that's fine too but um like you know just using Yelp for instance is such a it's such a depersonalized thing and what do those stars really represent I will say this is a caveat I think despite how much I don't like Yelp um it's still a useful tool if I if I were to pop up in some city I'm probably going to end up looking at Yelp Yelp stars, mm. and it will tell me something. I mean, yeah, sure. you know, even even as just as a restaurant owner, when I talk to our staff about this review or that review, like if it's once there's something, if somebody gave us a one star or a two star, there's a reason for it. I may not like it. There may be, you know, weird comments. There may be like unnecessary personal comments. Whatever. There's still some takeaway that's real. So, you know, we, we have to be open to that and, and be willing to listen to it. But I think for the most part, it's, it's kind of, it's just a, it's a weird forum for like understanding your food community. And so <clears throat> having people that just go, you know, like, here's a spot, this is what they do, you know, here's some pictures of their food, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing helps to give it a little bit more, uh, just a, more of a personal touch, I think, mm-hmm. for, for people that are looking to, you know, I don't know what to do on a Friday night, sure. you know, like. Um, and that's helpful. Yeah. I think. Do you manage your social accounts? I, I mean, yeah. I Man- manage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I take most of the pictures on, that we post on Instagram, not mm-hmm. all of them, but probably 90% of them. Mm. Um, and I only recently handed that off. Not completely, but I gave, I gave our new GM a password and login. Mm-hmm. Um, because... She's got a good eye, and I trust her pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, but that was just something I didn't want to. Yeah. Didn't want to do. Right. Um, because those those pictures are are, there are advertising. There sure. There's a way of telling people what what we do. You know mm-hmm. what stuff looks like. Um, and so I want to make sure that they accurately capture. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a not everybody can take a really good picture. Um. So that's just, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may not actually think that that's a good it's just like you know point your camera and hit click but there's there needs to be a little bit more thought into it so up until recently that was largely kind of something that I would do Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't really I read Twitter I don't post to Twitter very much Mm. Um, I'm just not pithy enough (laughs) yeah you know like I'm a long form guy I'm not Mm. not a 140 character guy Mm. so um, you can never be president Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so I would totally fail. Oh my God, but fail. but uh, speaking about social media, has uh, social media influenced the design of a new uh, Juniper location in any way? 
Has media influenced the design of it? Yeah, like, have you, have you thought, like, you're being nice place on Instagram, like a shot? Or... No. No. Um, not, certainly not consciously. Gotcha. Um, I will say I think there's going to be plenty of natural light for people to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, so you shouldn't have a problem. It's not really going to be a dark spot or a dark corner, um, except maybe in our office, which is, like, <laughs> you know, stuck in the middle of the building with no windows. But, um, yeah, no, it didn't. Um, you know, what I... It's funny, like, I, I think in terms of the design of the new spot, what did influence it was almost, like, counter... Uh, social media, counter Instagram, mm. in, in the sense that much of what I wanted the, the aesthetic to be was not influenced by uh, of the moment on trend design aesthetic. Mm. Like, I wanted it to be a spot that really, um, you know, so we're opening 2018. In five years when you walk in, what's the question that you're going to ask? Or what's the statement you're going to make? oh, this looks like a restaurant from 2018. Are you going to say that? Or are you just going to say, oh, this looks like a restaurant in 2023? Like, I didn't want it to be marked by a particular point in time. Now, of course, it will be. There's no way to escape it on one level. But I wanted it to be as timeless in a way as I could make it. Um, And it remains to be seen whether or not that's going to happen, right? We won't really know until five years from now or ten years from now. And maybe when we get there, we'll look back and be like, oh, man, that's embarrassing. Yeah. That's so 10 years ago. Um, but, you know, I don't, th- I don't think that that's going to be how it feels. I, and in some respects, I think j- j- current Juniper uh, is, uh, has a little bit of that. But it's also, it's got some timelessness to it. It's held, in my opinion, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong because you're more objective. Um, I think it stood up pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's five years old now. Yeah, there's a lot of reclaimed barnwood, and that was all the rage <laughs> five years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, but good. still, it, I think it's held up pretty good. It still looks like a pretty cool little place. No, you we, know? we always liked it. We liked the aesthetic in there. Like, I love the uh, the uh, paintings everywhere. The artwork is very nice. You know, like the skylights. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, the probably already there to begin with. I don't know if you had it. The skylight there. was paintings, not but mm-hmm. paintings are coming with us. Cool. Oh, awesome! Cool. Yeah. Oh, it's like the like the bar area. It's really, we always always sit at the bar. Yeah. Any place we go, we'll sometimes get like a chair or yeah, a chair, not a chair, a table. Mm-hmm. But um, we generally want to sit at the bar because that's kind of nerve center a right. lot of ways, a lot of places. So yeah, but we love the fridge there with the taps built into it, and right, it's kind of nice. It's this nice place, and you know, uh, yeah, you're right. The wood thing's been overdone a little bit. There's been a like think about retreat in other places too, but. Nowadays, a lot of places they do have to, they have the all white with like subway tiles, yeah. and like or black and they're like that plants and like sort of retro furniture, you know it's kind of yeah. more the current thing I think. Mm. See a lot of places like that. Yeah. We have so we have we do have subway tile in the kitchen, which is a good place for it. Yeah. Um, help us keep keep everything clean, but uh, um, and we ser- we have plenty of wood <laughs> in the new spot, but it's not. Um, you know, the, on the, the wall treatment is, is, uh, like beadboard or wainscoting, um, which is just, you know, it's a very classic wall treatment, I think with, with molding on the bottom and at the top, um, a lot of the light fixtures are just kind of, they have a a kind of old fashioned feel to them. Um, but again, I, I, I think they'll hold up pretty well. So we will have fridges. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I really spent a lot of time thinking about was I couldn't, you know, how, how do you relocate a restaurant and when people walk into it, make it feel like it's the same place yeah. without just doing a facsimile, yeah. you know? And I, this is a new building. Yeah. I'm coming from a building that was 100 years old to a building that's not even a year old, right? Yeah. <clears throat> With windows everywhere so it's a very different feel um i couldn't recreate the old juniper if i wanted to and i didn't want to but how do i tell people when they walk in i oh, know this is still juniper it's it's different certainly but there's there's some relationship here mm. um 
And so one of them, the first one, was that the fridges had to come. Mm. They're not the same fridges, but they are vintage fridges, and we're mm. painting them, and they will be at the center of the bar. So that was really important. And then the other, the other piece that was really central was, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but on the back bar, where all the shelving is, where our whiskey bottles are, behind mm-hmm. that, we had these thin little slats of wood and then a gap in between it and another thin little slat and it's backlit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that design was something that I did based on uh, a corn crib, mm. um, which was one of the buildings that we had on our, on our farm. It was, we had a bunch of you know, outbuildings and one of them was a, was a corn crib. Small, probably smaller than this room and it was open, meaning that the, the wood on the outside of the building uh, was like that, was thin little slats of wood with gaps in between. And what you would do is you would you know, pack all your corn in there, and the wind would go through, and it would keep it from um, molding, would dry the corn, um, and it was called a corn crib. Huh. And so I used that as the design for that back bar. So I brought that over. So when you walk in, there's like a little, there's a wall, basically, mm. right as you walk in. It, it served to, to break the wind, not break the wind, but, you know, <laughs> a windbreaker. Um, and also, just visually, because, you know, it's from the floor all the way to the ceiling. It's that corn crib look, and it's backlit, and it's on both sides. And we also did it behind the bar as well. Mm. Um, so, yet another just kind of callback if you will, to yeah. the aesthetic of the old place. I never cool. did notice that, but I, I will have to seek that out now. Yeah. Interesting. I've well, never heard that term before. You, you can't miss it now when you walk in. I mean, you'll see it, and then you might recall what it looked like at the old place or oh. not. It's fine. Over time, I <clears throat> we put a string of LED lights behind, mm-hmm. and it, as such, we couldn't really access it. And over time, I mean, it's been five years, those LED lights faded considerably. Yeah. So it wasn't quite as bright as it was in the early years mm-hmm. um, and if you were if you weren't looking for it you probably would never have noticed it but mm-hmm. it'll be a lot more obvious now so nice I was gonna throw some random questions at you now hit me okay uh, do you have any books that you particularly like to gift to people uh, yeah um, one of my favorite books that I have um, gifted in the past to folks um, is a book called Supper of the Lamb. And it was written by this Episcopal priest. I think he lived in New Jersey, maybe. Um, his name was Robert Farrar Capon. Um, and he was a fantastic writer. Bit of, kind of an eclectic dude. Um, and it's just a series of like ruminations on food and theology. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't think you have to be necessarily overtly religious, uh, to read it or to appreciate it. Um, I think he's a good enough writer that just from that perspective, I think it's worth appreciating, but, um, that book had a pretty big impact on me and, um, it's, uh, it's something I... I've passed on because I, you know, it's not it's not a very well known book, mm. but one that I think is is profound in a lot of ways. Um, just really just about the the nature of food and and how it, um, you know, its relationship with us personally but also communally, um, and uh, you know, I, I I think that stuff uh, is always worth engaging with and thinking about Mm. um and he wrote a sequel he ended up getting divorced and he wrote a sequel and the sequel to it i'm forgetting the name of it at the moment but it's basically him in this apartment and he's like alone and you know he'd written this this book that i think you know at the time probably made some waves um and then a few years later here's a, a divorced guy living in a in an apartment um, you know, tending to his little, uh, um, his cabinet full of, you know, different sorts of vinegars and spices and whatnot, and just like cooking by himself. Um, in the first book, he has an entire chapter on an onion. 
um, that's just worth reading just mm-hmm. by itself, just that mm-hmm. chapter. And then in the second book, he's got an entire chapter on cooking a pot of rice. Um, and, you know, just that, like, the focus on that incredibly simple task, something that's so, like, mundane and ordinary, but as you begin to, like, get into it and think about it and appreciate it, um, it, it sort of, like, begins to open up, and it's, like, the degree of, you know, seriousness and significance mm. of something that simple. Um and I just, I mean, that's, it's cool. That's just cool. Did you, know? you learn about this book before you started cooking or after? Gosh. Uh, <clears throat> I don't remember. Well, like, what inspired Are you nine, to start, what, what inspired you to start cooking? Uh, well, um, I've, I've, I've always enjoyed, I always enjoyed cooking. I enjoyed throwing parties and cooking. Um, and... <clears throat> I'm also just kind of a guy that uh, wants to do stuff. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm kind of a why not kind of dude. Um, and so that, that's kind of really what it was. It was like, I mean, the, the real genesis of, of the underground, which was the beginning of the whole deal, was uh, I wanted to learn how to cook. We didn't have, meaning my wife and I, didn't really have money for me to keep throwing a party every other weekend and like spending a hundred bucks for groceries to feed 20 people. Like I just, we just had, didn't have that kind of money, you know? Um, and so the underground was like, all right, well, people can contribute some money and pay for my ingredients and then I'll just feed them and I'll cook whatever the heck I want to. Why can't I do that? I can do that. Yeah. I'm going to do it, you know. <laughs> um, so it just kind of went from there. So, like, same thing with opening a restaurant, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I've never, I've never, I've never really worked in a restaurant. I mean, I have, but, like, I think for a grand total of maybe 13 days, you know. Hmm. I've never really worked in a restaurant before, but I, I can, I can probably do this. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I would not recommend to anybody. <laughs> and I would also say, you probably can't. And if I, if I had been able to talk to myself five years ago, I would have said, you probably can't. <laughs> um, but I did it anyway. Um, so, you know, I've had to learn a lot of hard lessons along the way. But uh, hopefully I've learned them and won't keep, you know, making the same mistakes. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, really it was a desire to learn. It was a desire to, to, um, to feed people. Uh, that was a big part of it. Um, and then as I started to do it, it just kind of became this thing that like just made, it just made a lot of sense. I mean, it was incredibly gratifying and fulfilling to be able to feed people and watch them eat and make them happy. Like that, I think that's kind of a universal and by universal, I mean like for people in this industry, that thing of producing something and then watching the consumption of your product produce joy that's a very powerful deal, you know, um, and it's it's addictive mm. to be able to see that. So nice. Uh, do you have any in visiting various places around town, restaurants or bars or whatever? Do you have any memorable dishes or meals you've had, either recently or not so recently? You know, honestly, I'm not the best person to ask that question. <laughs> To. The reason is is that I really don't get out very much. That's pretty much about every answer we get from people who ask for industry because they're so busy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I'll I'll try to answer it. But it, <laughs> I you know there are a few things that I that I can remember that kind of stand out. Um, I remember. I went to Olio for my birthday three days before we opened Juniper, four days before we opened Juniper, mm-hmm. five years ago, and I sat out on the patio and had some food, and John Fowles was the bar manager at the time and was a friend and made some great cocktails, and it was just one of those great little meals. I just went with a friend of mine. and. Yep. That was awesome, you mm-hmm. know. But I, I here's the thing. Here's the thing about like food um, and eating 
together. I think there's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves to make the best dish. And there's a lot of pressure put on, uh, you know, on people within the industry, chefs and bartenders and servers and whatnot about serving those kinds of things. And there's a lot of focus paid from critics or whomever about the way a dish looks and all of that kind of stuff. But the truth is, is that what we remember as diners is not like, oh, that dish was whatever. It's like, who did I eat with? What was my conversation like? Was there that sort of like magical moment? And if there was, those are the, those are the meals that we remember. Maybe the food was really good and that's part of it. But I don't think I've ever talked to anybody, nor have I ever had a personal experience where I thought, man, that meal, independent of who I was with, was the most amazing thing. It's always like the people I was with, that moment in time, coupled with good food and good drinks. Like it's never, it's never isolated. I think a lot of times that when we think about it, it's like, oh, you know this dish or this drink or whatever, but I think there's, there's a cohesiveness to an experience that's much bigger than those individual parts that really makes something memorable, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Cause I, I could probably say, well, I've ha- I had this meal and technically it was maybe the best meal I've ever had, but was it really? I mean, probably not. Mm-hmm. Th- there have been meals I've had with friends or my wife or whatever that are far more memorable to me. Um, and the food was a part of that, you know? Does that make sense? Sure. Yes. Um, I actually think that's a really healthy way to think about food. Yeah. You know? I like that answer. I don't, yeah. I don't think anyone has ever really said it that way yeah, to yeah. us before. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. Kind of the whole community type aspect well, of yeah. it. Well, yeah. I mean, but, yeah. you know, we, exp- like, that's the way that we experience food, though. We, mm. we experience food communally. Yeah. A restaurant is... A communal experience whether you're eating with somebody or not like you're in a room full of other people all eating you know you don't have to be at the same table to be a part of a communal experience like um, so I just you know yes we get single diners that come in and eat by themselves but I could probably count the number of times that that's happened on one hand in five years but even those people they're still sitting next to somebody mm-hmm. They can still see other diners. I mean, there's still, like, whether you're conscious of it or not, you're still participating in this kind of, like, mm-hmm. you know, larger-than-you sort of moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's why you like sitting, <clears throat> I mean, it's real reason we like sitting at the bar is talking to the bartenders. I think yeah. so. I, yeah. I, just, I just think it's much, much bigger. And this is not to, not, and it certainly doesn't for us, this is not to say that there's not importance to make sure that every dish that goes out is the best it can be, mm-hmm. or every drink that's made is the best that it can be. But I don't, I just don't think that they're, it's not an end unto itself, Mm. you know, it's just bigger than that. And I think people's experiences are bigger than that, or at least they ought to be. I'd like for them to be. Um, And I think if we're doing a good job as a restaurant, they will be bigger than that. Because it'll be the lighting, it'll be the music, it'll be the service, it'll be the drink, it'll be the company, you know, all of that. So. Indeed. Yeah. I like that answer. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about that we didn't ask? Anything at all? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah, whatever. You're cool? I'm cool. All right. Yeah. Do you have any pets? Yeah, we, yeah, we, we just got a dog. Um, nice. So I have five kids. Oh, Ooh, boy. Um, and uh, they're kind of like pets. <laughs> That's what I hear. Yeah, I mean, they're hard, they're hard <laughs> to control. They're hard to control, you know. They're constantly eating. Uh-huh. <laughs> shitting everywhere. Probably. Exactly. <laughs> Sh- shitting in appropriate places. <clears throat> um, uh, so so far, none of them have licked any of my guest's legs, though. So that's that's yeah. one key difference. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, Waffles. That's the difference. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the oldest is 13. My youngest is 4. Mm. She will turn five on September 20th, mm. which if you guys are keeping track of time, um, that was three weeks before I opened Juniper, um, wow. that she was born. Wow. Um, and she was born in the car. Um, oh. yeah. So, you know, that, those, those were fun times. Which, you know, those <laughs> were fun her, name? Times. her name is Jemima, but we call her Mimi. 
Um, and she's a spitfire. She's, <laughs> she is, uh, she has the personality befitting someone who was born in a car. Yeah. Cause, cause you figure if you're born in the car, what that child is saying to you is I don't give a fuck. I'm getting out and coming into this world right now. Wow. And that's who she is. She's like, you know, she announces her presence. She's, she's a big personality, wow. but a lot of fun. She's a sweetheart. Um, future president, Meanie Perkins. Do what? Future president, Meanie Perkins. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, usually the youngest is the wildest. I was the youngest. So. Yeah, she's, she's pretty crazy. Um, and yeah, so Christmas we decided to get a dog because what a family with five kids needs is more chaos. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we got a we got a Labradoodle. Oh, those are fun. His, his name is Watson. Watson. Doctor Watson. He's about sixty five pounds. He's, he's a big dude, and he does not listen. <laughs> so, yeah. So doodleocracy, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So how did your wife meet you and your wife meet? We actually went to college together. Oh, cool. I knew we were in college. We didn't date in college, but oh. we were both history majors. Um, she would tell you that she she always got better grades than I did um, <laughs> in the same classes that we took together. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that's the case. But yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Um, she was probably more studious than I was. Um, yeah, and then we, um, we dated for three years, kind of on and off, long range. Um, and then we got married in 04. Cool. So. You study Russian history, as you mentioned? Yeah, so I went to a pretty small school. We weren't really able to, there wasn't like a concentration, um, option, but it was kind of like a focus, Mm. you know? And the head history professor, his specialty was Russian history. So I took extra, I took independent studies with him on Russian history. I took every elective that he offered in Russian history. Mm. And ultimately that's what made me want to go to Russia. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fascinating country and it's got a fascinating history to yeah. it. Um, and it's, you know, it's funny to see the, how it's kind of, it's occupying the, the, the national consciousness at the moment, yeah. but uh, um, yeah, and I think that's sort of I don't know. It, it's a bit of a different picture from the one that I that I studied. Mm. You mm. know, um, it's a lot less. This version of Russia is a lot less romantic and interesting than the, yes. than the one that I was yeah compelled uh, by. Yeah, you know. yeah. Mm. And what was your wife's focus? Uh, you know, she, uh, she was just, uh, she was also a history major, but Mm -hmm. I don't think that she had a specific focus in terms of history. She ended up getting a master's degree in in education, Mm -hmm. um, later on, but, uh, yeah. Cool. Um, I think I just have like two questions left for you before we sign off. Um, I think you already mentioned this before, but if folks want to find you, in person or online, uh, you you are moving very soon. Actually, yeah. by the time this is released, you should be open. Cool. The new place is at forty one hundred one Laclede. So okay. that's the intersection of Laclede and Sarah. Uh-huh. It's one block north of Forest Park Parkway, mm-hmm. at Sarah. So if you know where Retreat is, we're across the street. Mm-hmm. If you know where Scottish Arms is, we're Caddy Corner, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a brand new fifty four unit condo building. We're bottom floor corner. It's all glass can't miss us nice so and what are all your socials accounts yeah um juniper eats pretty much across the board so facebook.com backslash juniper eats mm-hmm. uh twitter juniper eats instagram juniper eats mm-hmm. i think that's it yeah do you want to give any personal socials or do you uh do I'm, that? I'm lou jack on twitter and lou jack on instagram mm-hmm. um again i'm not i'm not really much of a follow on twitter I just like following other people and, and seeing what people say. Um, and I don't really post very much on Instagram, but but there are some pictures on there. So. Okay. All right. And then my last question for you this evening is, do you have any any final thoughts or any asks for the folks listening to us? Man. Anything at all? You put me on the spot with that one. Uh... Well, so I'm just going to turn around and ask you guys, like, Uh-oh. are are the, you know, do people tend to respond to podcasts? Is there, like, do they leave comments? Do they ask questions? 
are there things that people request they want to know? Like, I would say there's a very small population. Uh, it's not it's not quite as popular as Instagram or whatever. Um, but some people are really into listening to podcasts. Uh, yeah. Like I I listened in my car. A lot of people do that. Uh, I think it caters mostly to industry people. Yeah. I would say probably seventy five percent of our listenership is industry. You know, around St. Louis or like if they have friends or relatives around the country. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a little hard to tell because we have on SoundCloud and Instagram and Instagram before, uh, iTunes. Okay. And on iTunes, you can't tell how many people are listening to your thing. So we have no idea how many listeners we have on iTunes. Yeah. But you can on SoundCloud? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We have comments. We have five yeah. stars on Instagram. Hey, there we go. Or on iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. So well, we're doing good. something. Yeah. Five stars is good. Yep. Um, <laughs> gosh. I don't know if there is. <laughs> um, other than, you know, like, I, I mean, I'm really excited about this new spot um it's incredibly daunting mm. i hope um i hope people love it i hope you know i hope people um certainly support it i i think you know I, i've had several top line worries one is that people are going to come in and be like this isn't like the old dream park and and <laughs> Or they'll come and be like, this is just like the old Juniper. Well, yeah, and if that's a bad thing, that would be bad, right? Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried that uh, somehow, like, the new spot will be a turnoff to people. And that's just me kind of being glass half empty kind of thing. Sure. Um, the, other, the other thing that I, I worry about is that people will come in and be like, well, this, this place is kind of slick, isn't it? You know, because it's a new uh, building. Yeah. And, I mean, it's kind of impressive. Yeah. I mean, like, the, the space is going to be kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for better or for worse, it's, I mean, it's a extremely personal expression. Sure. Um, and so if somebody were to come in and be like, well, this place feels kind of slick, I, I think that I would take that. It would be hard for me to hear that, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, the, it's like not that. You know, um, and what I mean by slick is like, I outsourced the design to somebody and, mm. and they did it all. And, you know, I just signed the check or whatever. Sure. Like <clears throat> this was like, I was extremely involved with it, mm-hmm. um, with the look of it and the design of it. And like, it looks exactly like what I wanted it to be and what I hoped it would be. And so I hope that that resonates with people because like the thing that I'm fearful of and not a huge part of me, but there's part of me that's fearful of this is that if people don't like it, it's like this powerful rejection of like my person, you know? Sure. So I remember back during the time of the pop-ups at the end of the third one, before I opened Juniper, we would have a Friday night or a Saturday night where there were like 15 people there. And it felt every night like, the entire city of St. Louis was saying to me, I hate you and I hate your concept. You know, like I'm serious. Like it, like the emotional weight of that was like, so, Oh my gosh, it was exhausting, you know? And I couldn't not think like that. I couldn't, I couldn't get out of my head that, you know, that it wasn't personal. (laughs) Like it had to be personal. Like that, that's just how I was processing all of that stuff. I'm better at that than I used to be, <laughs> but I'm, it, it'll still, it, like, there's still part of me, because it is so personal, because it is such of a, of an expression of, you know, the things I find to be beautiful, and all of that, that, like, I just really want people to like it, you know, I, like, I think we're all like that, right, I mean, sure, you put together a podcast, you want people to like it, sure. Sure. you know, like, and it's okay to say that, like, mm-hmm. I really want people to like it, like, it's important to me that people like it and I'm okay kind of bearing myself in in that regard you know and also saying it would really hurt it would be really hard if people don't like it you know Um, so I don't think that's going to be a problem I don't but it's like this little voice back there that's just like you know there remains a possibility 
So the two things on your shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they're, I've always so had they're, them. So they're both saying it's gonna suck. <laughs> right, right. I've always had them. They're never gonna go away. You just kind of make your peace and you yeah. just say, "Shut up." You know, yeah. like, well, well, shut up. Some of us are just born warriors, and it's not a bad thing. It means you're you're built to watch after people and things. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're a bad person and you should stop worrying. It's your actually your superpower. Yeah, I think I think anxiety is just it's. Uh, yeah, it's just a reality, right? And uh, I, t- I tell my son all the time, I'm like, man, like, here's the truth, is that everybody's insecure. Everybody. I don't care. Who pretends like they're not? They're full of shit. <laughs> everybody's insecure, and we're all faking it mm-hmm. on some level. Mm-hmm. So just, like, live with that, and be the more comfortable you are with that, the more comfortable you're going to be in the world and like so yeah i'm insecure about this i'm fearful of it but i don't it's you know it's just like it's part of what it means to be human i think so um it's yeah the anxiety is real and it's there but it's it's not it's not debilitating and i think most people in my situation would probably feel the same kind of thing um for those people in town who are about to open restaurants, I'm sure they feel the exact same way. Mm. Um, and that's just, you know, it's part of the deal. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I, agree. I, I don't know if that's exactly what uh, I wanted to communicate to your listeners, but, <laughs> you know, you just say talk and I start talking. No, so. I, I appreciate that. Well, uh, then I'm going to sign off. John, thank you so much oh, for making you. the time. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. High fives. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cheers. High fives. I'm Christine Guthrie with We Eat Stuff, and this has been another episode of We Eat Stuff and Talk About Things. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. I would also like to encourage everyone to join our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash weeatstuff. There, you can become a sponsor of this podcast and all the work we do and be rewarded with cool stuff. We appreciate your support. Please join us next week for another interview. But in the meantime, go out there and eat stuff. Cheers.